Welcome to the Wagging Tails podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Noble Canine, canine behavioural specialists and dog trainers. We provide global online consultations and training, as well as physical training and behavioural rehabilitation within Singapore. Welcome to this episode of the Wagging Tails podcast, which is being recorded live via Facebook Live. On this episode, we are going to be talking about preparing your dog for your travels without them. Now, this comes to us from a very fresh, real-life perspective. Jay just spent some time overseas in the US, and he went through all of these steps for his dogs. So he'll be taking the lead on this one since he's done this so fresh. So hope you enjoy this one. Yep. Hey, okay, so I, I literally just got back like yesterday at 1am, so I'm going to be yawning a lot on this, so <laughs> excuse me for that, I'm just not adjusted back to normal times here yet, it'll take a bit, but <clears throat> I'll try to do my best, so when I had about, let's say, about two to three months before before I, I had to fly, so I, I had a good period of time whereby I could could really work on a lot of things with Blue. Um, the first thing that I had to think about was finding the right caretaker. And and now I, I know I'm going to be talking about Blue a lot more than Ori because um, I two things. One, Ori was going to be with you, Frasier, so I wasn't really too worried about that. Uh, second is Ori is a lot more independent than Blue is. Ori... Ha- did not display much signs of uh or any form of separation anxiety when I got her. Even um throughout the years, she she was still very independent. She would not have any issues being left alone and things like that. So for Blue, she developed separation anxiety very early on. Um, she developed an overdependence on me, particularly. And the most important thing that I had to figure out was to find the right caretaker for for Blue because. I, in a perfect scenario, I want someone who who can be with Blue majority of the day, uh, or in a family whereby there's somebody always at home, and she's like never left alone. So that that was one of the toughest ones because not everybody it's not COVID anymore, right? A lot of people went back to the offices. Uh, thankfully, um, the person that I found was a uh, a friend of mine and. Even if she wasn't home, her family would have been home. Like uh, maybe her mom, the helper, the dad, uh, or uh, one of her relatives, uh, siblings. <clears throat> and of course, I want someone who had a good understanding of canine behavior as well, and experiences with separation anxiety. I think that's very important. Um, not someone who just had a dog and then thinks like, okay, you know what, all dogs are gonna be the same. So no matter what it. It's not much of an issue. Uh, it was identifying this person that actually made me feel like, okay, you know what, I I I deserve a holiday for myself as well. That's why I'm gonna I'm gonna commit to this trip. Previously, I I kept thinking like, oh, okay, I I want to go for a five day holiday. Let's let's say, and then when it gets close to the date, I'm like, ah, you know what, I'm gonna cancel it because I think Blue needs me here, and that went on for four or five years. I, I haven't left until only recently um, and that's because I, I felt confident enough 
I, I was really happy with the progress that she made. The first thing that I started doing was to have a strategy of how I'm going to gradually acclimatize Blue to where she would be staying um, while I was away. So I started with very short one-hour visits to their home just once a week. That was it. So we would leave my place and then we would go for like a normal walk. And then after that, we get into the car and then we go over to my friend's place and then we would spend an hour there. She would get there. She would she would rest for a little bit, and then she she would play with them. There would be toys. There would be treats, and that's how it started off. So I used a lot of toys and food and and treats just to positively reinforce that this place that we're at right now is a very comforting place. I want you to have a good association with this new environment. So once I found out that she was somewhat comfortable with it already, I didn't see her getting stressed. She was still very much um, playing, running around. I started to work on the a proper routine and started to increase duration. So instead of just one hour, it became two hours, three hours, four hours, and then eventually it became twice a week. Once we hit that three, four hour mark visits, we started doing uh, neighborhood exploration as well. So we would walk around that that new estate, that new neighborhood. And then we would do like what we always do, a sniffari. Basically, I bring treats out. We just toss it around. I scatter it around during the walk so that she she just finds it. And then she she gets a very good association, a very good experience to this. It, it's very enriching for her, especially if it's a new location. If I bring her out, she does that. She gets comfortable very quickly compared to if, let's say, I just bring her out to the beach and then don't prepare anything. So I, I've done that with vets. I've done that with um, grooming salons. Grooming salons, yeah. And basically everywhere that, that we've been. So that, that's why you gets quite comfortable in new places. It's just that because this one was a routine that we had to go every week, twice a week, just to, to get her more comfortable with it. And, and this small activity alone can help your dog with forming a very good association with new areas, new locations, it reduces anxieties and more importantly, they start to become more open-minded to visiting new and new places with you. <clears throat> and the next was the, the the next biggest step for me was I decided to let her stay overnight at that place. I brought her over at like I can't I can't recall right now. I think 10 p.m., maybe 11 p.m. And then she stayed for up till like 9 or 10 a.m. So she she went there. She had dinner there, a very late dinner there. And she stayed overnight. Oh, she still had one more walk before they went to bed. That was without me. And then the next morning, she woke up, she had a breakfast, and then she had another walk, and then I came out to, to fetch her. During that first overnight stay, um, of course, my friend was very kind enough to keep updating me and letting me know, like, oh, she. Th there was obviously signs of distress because it's it's I I'm not around anymore for her. So she, she was taking pictures. She was sending to me, oh, Blue is just uh, waiting by the gate. She's just waiting by the door. She doesn't want to come up to bed and things like that. But I told her just give her some time. She I believe that she will. And yeah, it, it took her a while, but I think by the time it was like. A little bit past midnight, she she went up to the room and she just slept as well. <clears throat> and she had like a proper sleep. She didn't like 
have you know those disturbed sleeps whereby you're you're lying down and then but you're still aware you're still awake and and monitoring everything that's around you <clears throat> but that initial planning was very important because i told her that if she gets too anxious or too stressed out just let me know i'll come down i'll fetch her because i don't want her to get that negative association before i even left before i even flew off for my for my trip i mean also when i brought her over for the overnight stay before i left the place i did not make a big fuss about it i did not go to like oh bye blue i'll see you i miss you blah blah and things like that no i just i told my friend to engage her in some games in some uh rewards while i just made my way around back and then i just left so that one was very important because if you make a big fuss out of it, then your dog feels like, oh, there is something to be stressed about. Instead of doing that, I just very sneakily left. And it took her a while to notice that I was gone. It took her like, I think, 45 minutes, an hour before she realized I was gone. It was just fine because by then, her stress levels are not that high anymore. She's already started calming down. She's already lying on the floor. She's relaxing. So I observed a lot of behavior changes that that showed me that Blue was growing a good sense of security in a different place with a different group of people. So <clears throat> that also pushed me to feel like, okay, I, I, I can go for this trip. I do not need to worry about it. Um, I did bring a lot of her things from my place over, like her, her bed. I had an old t-shirt that I wore for like a day. Um, some of her favorite toys, uh, her food bowl, her water bowl. These things are very important to help your dog feel more comfortable in a new location as well because they need some familiarity. And if everything is new, then they don't know like, this is what this one is, what that one is, because there's no sense of security then. Of course, this whole experience was um, quite eye-opening for me myself. And I feel like it actually built up a lot of resilience for Blue. Her emotional state was grew to be a lot stronger, a lot better. I think this helps both short-term and long-term solutions for separation anxiety. But it, I, I can see how it is not something that's very uh, what's it, practical for everyone because... First, you need to find someone that's willing to accommodate you. And then you have to really commit to a routine to do this like uh, once a week, twice a week, and then so on and so forth. But I, I feel like anyone who's listening to this and you have issues about separation anxiety, I hope you take like a page out of my book and, and do things like this as well. Try to get as close to this as possible because this really helps. And Blue's separation anxiety levels are not that of like just a minor separation anxiety or oh, if i leave the house she's gonna whine she's gonna bark a little bit or what no i'm, I'm blue separation anxiety is so it was so severe that she would rip up she ripped up my mattress she scratched half of my door down before the base of my door and she she wants you know how dog, dogs like paw at things right so she pawed at her her pillow so roughly that her her paw pads started bleeding so this is really like severe overdependence severe separation anxiety so always draw out a, a very good plan 
figure out what's your ultimate goal and make sure that your dog can cope with the solitude in a very confident and comfortable manner. And I want everyone to know that with the right preparation, you and your dog can enjoy each other without you know, more like more like you can enjoy your time away from your dog. I'm not telling you to get away from your dog, but I'm saying that over-dependence um, creeps up on you quite badly. Yeah. <clears throat> so um, just to rewind a little bit, one of the first things that you mentioned there, Jay, was uh, the finding of where you're going to leave your dog. So mm -hmm. you, you were quite lucky in a sense that you had uh, friends that could look after your dogs, accommodate them. And it was an absolute, to be honest, it was an absolute joy having Ori here. Um, mm -hmm. in, in fact, uh, today when my daughter came back from daycare, she came running into my office and when Ori wasn't here, she burst into tears. So Aww. I know, it's the Ori and Freya bonded quite well while she was here and so did the boys and Ori and it was really, really nice. But not everyone is that lucky. Yeah. So I want to just address that for a little while because as much as we're following your journey, I also want to make this relevant for as many people as possible. Mm -hmm. Now, the first thing you've got to ask yourself is what are the requirements for my dog? Because some dogs have got more requirements than others. Now, if your dog has any health issues or if your dog has any kind of special needs or special requirements, you've got to make sure that you've got all of that information down. So do they need any specific medication? Do they have any specific needs? What sort of diet are they on? Are they on any special kind of diet? Are you going to have to prepare that diet for your dog? Or can you expect whoever's looking after them to do that well without you having to worry? What sort of behavioral issues does your dog have that you might need to have somebody that knows about them to actually address? All of these things are things you've got to consider before you even try to find someone. So this is a big aspect that, uh, that a lot of people neglect to, to get involved in. And effectively, as much as, yes, a lot of these organizations that provide boarding and things like that, yeah, it's, a lot of it's on them. Don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that it's not. But we, as the dog owners, have to ensure that we are asking the correct questions, okay? So if you're not lucky enough to have a, a friend or a family member that can look after your dog, yeah, that means you're probably going to have to pay. Now, do you have a budget? And if you do, you've got to bear that in mind before you even decide to travel because you can't leave your dog with somebody that you don't trust just so that you can get away for a week or two. So we've got to look at that for a start. Everything I just mentioned about the requirements for your dog, get that all down on paper as it were, or write it all down on a, on a note or whatever else. And then that's when you can start looking. Now, with those points that you've put down, then you've got to look at the options. The options are pet sitters. Now you've got in-house pet sitters who will actually come and pet sit for you in your own home so that it keeps your dogs 
routine as close as it possibly can be. It means that your dog's environment doesn't change. This kind of thing is very uh, useful for dogs with separation anxiety or multiple dogs in the house. So I do this because, quite frankly, it's it's cheaper to have somebody stay in the house looking after my boys rather than paying for three large dogs to go into boarding or any kind of other sitters. So you've got to look at things along those lines as well. So you've got people that come into the house, stay in your home, look after your dogs. You've got private house sitters, sorry, private pet sitters who will take your dogs into their home and they'll look after your dog in their home, which is what Jay kind of did with with Ori and Blue, with Ori coming to me and Blue going to his friend. And uh, that that's very, very useful and very good for situations where you may need to separate the dogs or you may need to make sure that you're within budget possibly, but there's a lot of things you need to ask. There's a lot of things you need to make sure of. If you're doing this, it means that the person that's looking after your dog, similarly to if you're using a friend or a family member, you don't know, or even if you do, they may not be qualified. Their knowledge on dogs might not be that high because it's a private home. It's not a facility. Now, that means you've got to ask a lot of questions. You've got to make sure that they're willing to do what's required for your dog. They've got the correct mindset. They've got the correct ethics so that you're not getting caught out. Then you've got to look at things like you've got daycare boarding, which means that the dog, although they're being boarded, it's also with a daycare scenario. So it means that the dog gets to basically be at daycare every day. Now, then you've got to take a look at your dog as well as the organisation. You've got to ask the organisation all the appropriate questions. How many dogs do they care for at one time? How many dogs are being boarded at one time? How do you manage different dogs, different temperaments, different sizes, different breeds, all of that stuff? What sort of certifications and first aid requirements do you have within the facility? What sort of methods do you use to handle the dogs or train the dogs if you do that as well? How do you handle the dogs? All of that stuff, making sure that there's no red flags, such as a lack of transparency. If they don't tell you something, why is that? Why are they not willing to tell you why or how they do something? Um, make sure that you're able to see where your dog's going to stay and there's no funniness about, oh, no, we can't show you where the dog's actually going to sleep or anything like that. Ask them what you're going to receive while the dogs are staying with them. Are you going to get daily texts, videos, pictures? What, what's actually going to happen there? So that's with the daycare one. But similarly, if you've got boarding facilities, you've got to ask the same thing. Now, everything that you've just that I've just gone through there, you then also have to ask, where exactly is your dog going to stay? How many times do they get walked a day? How much interaction with people do they have? Because if they're in a daycare, they're going to get lots. But if they're in a boarding facility, is your dog just going to be kenneled for most of the day? and only get one walk a day? Or or how do they operate that? Because all of that stuff can impact your dog fairly, fairly largely if they're used to getting a lot of engagement and all of a sudden they're basically in a jail cell. So that's something that you've got to be, think about as well, especially when you're looking at a border. Now, with all of this said, every dog is different and every carer is different. 
So that's why these questions are so important. That's why you want to look out for the red flags. You would ask the right questions. And as I say, Jay was in a fortunate position where he could give his trust into his friend and myself with his dogs. And that made things a little easier. But if you don't have that at your fingertips, you've got to ask those hard questions and find out where and who and what is best for your dogs. And if you need any help with that, of course, you can always ask on one of these sessions on the lives, or you can just send us a message. Or if you're really needing help to prepare your dog, of course, we are willing to help out with that either online or in person. So sorry to hijack that there, Jay, but I just wanted to bring that back a little bit there. So no, no, please, please right. carry on. Yeah, so um, so so that was mainly the the routine and the plan that I had for Blue, and of course she's she's doing very well. She she handled it really really well. She did not um cause too much trouble for my friend and, and her family, thankfully. Um, but at the same time, I also pre prepared by talking to uh, my vet as well, saying that if if she starts to get really too anxious, I um, could you dispense some anti-anxiety medication for for my friend as I won't be here? And then the, the vet was was completely fine with that, saying that just drop her, drop her message, and then um, let her know when when to go down, and then she will be able to dispense the the meds for her. Also, of course, um, a list of emergency contacts. You were one of them. Just uh, if if anything were to happen, I I swapped over like by the GPS tags to my friends and to you. For both Blue and Ori, just to make sure that if anything were to happen, that they would still have some form of control over it. And uh, so, as for Ori, Ori was pretty straightforward, wasn't it? If your dog does not have much separation anxiety issues or much reactivity issues, things like that, this is how it'll go. So, uh, I brought Ori over to Fraser's place. We did not immediately go up to his place where Ori would be staying. That's very important to take note of. We met downstairs. So, okay, we, we met and then I passed you some of Ori's stuff. You brought it up and then you brought your boys down, all three of them. So, like I said, this is very important to take note because Ori does not have reactivity issues. So that's why Frazier can do that. Um, he can take all three of his boys down. And Frazier's three boys doesn't have <laughs> much issues as well. Only Portos is overexcited, but then that's just him being him. But that's a very polite way of saying Portos is a little bit touched. <laughs> <laughs> I've I've heard yeah. some of my clients after they've met him saying he's the craziest well-trained dog we've ever met. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So <clears throat> yeah, so Fraser brought three, all three of his boys down. Um, we started doing somewhat of a structured walk he i walked in i walked in front first didn't i yeah i walked in front and then he trailed behind with his three boys and then we slowly walked closer 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 until we let them interact for a little bit and then we continued walking on we went to a, a nice big open grassy area and then we just let them sniff around and just kind of interact with each other of course <clears throat> ethos uh said hi and bye very quickly aramis couldn't be bothered Portos was the only one that was so interested. And then um, Ori was a bit overwhelmed, understandably. It's three dogs. All three of them are a lot bigger, at least 10 kilograms heavier than her. 
each of them. So she was a bit overwhelmed at the start. And then, uh, but by the end of the walk, they were all walking together very nicely. I even had handed Frazier the leash so he could walk all four of them at once. No issues there, no pulling, no, you know, um, walking into each other and, and tripping over each other and things like that. <clears throat> and then we went up. So we went up to Frazier's place. Uh, we set up, um, Frazier already set up like a like the guest room for Ori um, and put the, the baby gate there just in case she, she needs to be uh, she needs to have some time to herself, which is something that she usually does at home as well. And <clears throat> at the start, I think only Portos. She told off Portos once at the start, and then uh, that's because Portos kept kept going to her and, and trying to initiate play. But um, it was very overstimulating for Ori. Everything that just happened, it was just a long ride all the way to his place, and then we it's a completely new environment. And then I mean, there, there were three dogs. Yeah. To be fair to Ori, Porthos's play is very rough. Yeah. So she was well within her right to tell, to tell him, him off. off. <laughs> yeah. And the thing that was interesting about all of this is that the only thing that uh, that we noticed with Ori prior to her coming here was a little bit of nervousness with certain novelty. Mm -hmm. and uh, reportedly some resource guarding. Now, the yeah. nice thing is here, and this is something to think about as well, is if your dog's going to somebody with other dogs, you want those other dogs to be confident because mm -hmm. then you kind of get free improvement. <laughs> yeah. Now, I can, I'll, I'll, just be, I'll just put my cards on the table. I did very, very little with Ori with regards to any kind of behavioural shaping or training. and just Because it's not my dog. Jay's more than capable of doing all of that himself. Ori's come a very long way, so is Blue. So it's not my place to be doing that. However, yeah. I did not tell my dogs that. <laughs> <laughs> and Ori was so... She, she really fell into the group nicely. And, yeah, she told Porthos off, but let's be very honest with you guys. I think Athos tells Porthos off daily, you know, because <laughs> he needs to be told off. That's part of his charm, I guess. Um, I but Ori very quickly started to become acclimatised to that energy level, become acclimatised to the way that Athos and Aramis were. Then I noticed something really quite beautiful that Porthos did. He started to self-handicap his own play. So he realized that he was not able to play with Ori because he was a bit mental. So he, he brought that mental level down a little bit and slowed himself in his approach. And he even did things like like flopped on the side so that Ori had a chance to reciprocate the attacks and things like that. And it was really, really quite nice to see. And then you saw over a matter of days, not only did Porthos bring his level up, but Ori stepped up and Ori yeah. started learning things from Porthos and, and playing almost by the end of the time with us, almost playing as rough, which is a good thing or a bad thing, depending on your own personal opinion. But what it did do was it boosted Ori's confidence quite significantly. 
Um, that mixed with being out on walks with Athos, who is actually one of the dogs that we use regularly to help clients' dogs with their confidence. And uh, it meant that she was doing really, really well with all of that stuff as well. So to say that she was in a new environment, new walks, all of that stuff, I just was so impressed with how she basically dealt with everything. And a lot of that's got to do with the good work that Jay put in prior to going away and everything that he's done since Ori came to him at all. But it's also got to do with the dogs that were in the house originally. So if you've got dogs that are calm and dog friendly and accepting of another dog coming in to stay for a while, that's going to be your winner for any dog, doesn't matter what your dog's like, unless your dog's like super dog reactive, I guess. You don't want that. Yeah. But um, but it was quite quite an eye-opener for me. The only other time I've seen something like that was another one of our friend's dog came to stay with us, and that dog had really bad thunder anxiety. Mm. And there was a lot of thunderstorms, and Athos doesn't care at all about that stuff. And that dog basically just curled in with Athos anytime there was thunder. By the end of it, the dog's thunder anxiety was much, much lower. Because dogs can communicate with each other a lot better than we can communicate with them. And they can actually educate each other better than we can educate them as well. So it's a good thing to bear in mind when you're actually having your dog stay with somebody that also has dogs. That also goes the opposite way, though. If you're having your dog stay with somebody with dogs and that dog is nervous and loud and whatever else, there's a chance your dog might learn those bad habits as well. So, yeah. Sorry, G. No, that, that's fine. That's fine. Yeah. But then, um, so, yeah, already settled in really nicely. Uh, it wasn't too much of a worry for anyone. Uh, Ori, I only told Fraser that Ori had resource guarding and got into a fight with Blue a long time ago uh, over over her football. So, and then Fraser did the right thing. That's why he set up the, the baby gate for it, for the guest room. And then the it was what, just the first few days or the first two days that you, you had to separate her and the boys, but then he still allowed them to see each other, as mm -hmm. how I, I did with Blue as well. And then after that, he didn't need the gate anymore. Um, Portos went in a few times, already, already told him off, and then everything was fine. When well, when actually, we say, like, sorry? She, she only told him off one time, and then other, the other times he wandered in while she was eating, she didn't care. Uh, um, yeah. And then there was one time that she was going to tell Athos off, but as she looked at him, she changed her mind. Which was probably a good idea, but um, yeah. no, she really, she really didn't exhibit any signs of resource guarding because even the telling yeah. off, I equated that to Porthos's excitement levels rather than her resource guarding. You know I mean? Yeah, yeah. So she um, really, she really did very well. Yeah, I, I, when I first got Ori, it, it was pretty bad. Um, <clears throat> Blue couldn't. She Ori would not eat her food if she could see blue that was how bad it was at the start like she would just keep staring at blue and growling and, and trying to lunge and things like that so i had to feed them behind closed doors at the start but then of course it's it's uh, we've come a long way for sure and ori 
doesn't really care. She she will still tell people off. She will still tell other dogs off. And what what I say by what I mean by that is she just kind of goes round. You know, when when another dog comes to close, that's it. She she doesn't attack the other dog anymore. So yeah, that's not too much of a worry for me. I mean, it's, to be it's... fair, you you want your dog to have the ability to do that because if you take yeah. that away from them, it means that they're not able to communicate all of their whatever they're feeling, yeah. whatever they're feeling to the other dog, and that's quite dangerous. Mm-hmm. Cool. Okay, so that was your preparation for the dogs, finding where they're going to stay, introducing them to a new environment. So what next? Introducing them to a new environment, um, building the routine, monitoring, adjusting. That the, the was about it. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, I know that you did other things, so I'm just gonna talk oh. about those for a little bit. Sorry, I'm I'm really <laughs> half asleep. I know, to no, be man, you're, you're jet lagged. <laughs> I get that. There's no there's no shame in that at all. I completely appreciate that. Um, Okay, so one thing that I know that Jay did because he spoke to me at length about this is the dog's nutrition. So the thing, especially, I'm so glad he told me this as well because it is very different, is luckily for me, Ori's got quite an ironclad stomach, so Jay was just happy for me to feed her the same stuff I feed my boys, although I think most dog owners would be okay with that. Um, But obviously I couldn't just change her diet straight away. I couldn't just go from what she's eating at home straight to what I'm feeding my boys. So you've got to transition that if you're changing it while you're away. If not, you might need to provide the food for your dog or at very least let your care or know exactly what to feed and how to feed um, and anything else. You've also got to ensure that they understand what the measurements, what the volume of food that your dog is fed is. Because what I feed my 40 kilogram Athos is very different from what a 20 kilogram Ori should be eating. You know, in the same way that the amount of calories that I require just to sustain myself is quite different from what my wife has to eat to sustain herself because I'm genuinely double her weight plus. So it's a very similar sort of thing to think about. Now, I did make one mistake, which was uh, not ideal, but Ori seemed to enjoy it, where I gave the wrong football to Ori. And effectively, she got, I think it was Aramis's or Porthos's portion, probably Porthos's because it was a little bit more. And um, and she ate every single drop and yep. then couldn't move for about an hour. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, these things happen, but it's a good example of if you were to feed, if I was to have fed Ori that every day, not only would she have put on a lot of weight, but it could also cause other problems as well. And at the very, very least, it would mean that she was going to be a lot more hungry when she went back home. So we've got to be aware of what our dogs are going to be eating when we're away. It's a lot more important than a lot of people think. You've got to discuss any quirks or any preferences they have. 
So one thing that Jay said was that sometimes Ori doesn't finish her food. Now, I only noticed that on the first day when I was transitioning her away. But when it came to the home-cooked food that I gave the boys, she did eat all of it. Um, but I think that might have been the novelty of having warm, home-cooked food every day. So that's partially part of it. But that's not the only quirk that dogs have. Some dogs have quirks like refusing to eat the food until you start hand-feeding. Some dogs refuse to eat until you hand-feed. Some dogs will just leave the food alone for... 20 minutes before they come back to it. Some owners will insist that the dog eats in the first 15 minutes and then they'll remove whatever's left. So you've got to explain all of those quirks or habits or anything like that that you normally do so that your dog has that consistency. Do you have anything you want to add to the diet stuff, Jay? Oh yeah, so because out of convenience for whoever was um, my friend and mainly for my friend, but, uh, and I thought it would help you as well, but since you already do home cook for, for your boys, it wasn't too much of an issue, was that I slowly transitioned the girls off of their raw diet onto some like canned food or like some freeze-dried diet, whereby it's a lot easier for, for them to prepare the meals for them. So I, I did this all in advance because um, the raw diet that I prepared for my girls is it, it's time consuming, right? It takes time, and then I'm really I'm really thankful enough that, that someone's going to help me look after them. So I I don't want to put more pressure onto whoever was going to look after do it already. Yeah, so it, I transitioned them for about two weeks. You know, it's it's a very standard transition. You just slowly introduce whatever the new diet is. Like so, in my case, it was. I started moving down to like 90% raw and then I just add like toppers that, that was from the canned food or from the freeze-dried meals. And then it became 80% a couple of days after and then 70, 60 until eventually it became a full freeze-dried. And yeah, and so now that uh, I just came back as well, I'm also doing the same thing again, the other way around. So because Fraser was doing home cook, Blue was doing uh, those freeze-dried nuggets. I am slowly reducing that and I'm just reintroducing their raw food again. So just to make sure that their <clears> stomachs <throat> don't get too upset. Yeah. I mean, it's not that all of the dogs have such sensitive stomachs, but some of them do. So we're better safe than sorry when it comes to things like that. So that leads us on to the next one. The next one nicely is specific needs and health issues. Now, the reason this didn't get touched on very much is because, quite honestly, Jay's dogs are very healthy. They've got no medical conditions. They don't require any medicines or anything like that. But if your dog does, you've got to make sure that you have thought about all of this. Do you have enough medication for your dog while you're away? If not, you've got to get to your vet and make sure that you've got enough. Then you can make then then you've got to make sure that the person caring for your dog understands what the dosage is and you can understand what the schedules are for that medication so that your dog is not having any additional stress from missing their medications while you're away. You've got to make sure that you're providing whoever's looking after your dogs with contact details for your emergency contacts and your vets like Jay mentioned earlier on. And the other thing that Jay definitely did discuss with us, but it's something that's quite important that a lot of people forget about. 
is discuss your dog's daily engagement and exercise needs. Because a lot of people just put their dog in with somebody and not think about it. But if your dog is used to doing 5K a day, and then all of a sudden is only getting a 500 meter walk around the block, that's going to have a massive impact, not just on their health, but also on their behavior. Now, if your dog's already going to be missing you and stressed because they're in a different environment or whatever else, you've got to make sure that at the very least, they're not suffering from frustration and lack of exercise. So we've got to make sure this is uh, something which is thought about, which means that you've got to brief the caretaker, brief the person looking after your dog. So if they need it, some of them don't, but if they do need it, offer a detailed schedule that includes your dog's normal routine, meal times, bedtimes, medications, uh, exercise requirements, all of that stuff. Explain anything that your dog does which might be slightly different, or if the person looking after your dog doesn't necessarily know how to read the calming signals very, very well, Explain your dog's signals for needing to go outside or what their usual toileting schedule is because some dogs will be in a routine of only going down two or three times a day. Other dogs have three, free access to a garden or to pee pads. You've got to let them know what to expect and ensure that the caretaker understands any specific body language that your dog does because calming signals are great and we can learn all about them and that's a huge topic but every dog is different so they'll do little strange things that not everybody does so one great example of this is athos for some reason instead of attention seeking by whining or barking or pawing or anything like that if he feels like he needs a little bit of love he hides underneath the curtain and pokes his nose out from underneath so that he looks a little bit like a nun. <laughs> That's exactly. really bizarre. But if I hadn't explained that to the people that look after them when we go away, they're going to be kind of weirded out and wondering what's wrong with my dog. You know, so you've got to make sure that you've briefed absolutely everything. And uh, not only have you briefed your caretaker, but also make sure that you've got your own preparations in time, your own preparation set up. Because we talk a lot about what we're doing to prepare your dog and the people looking after your dog. But how do you prepare yourself? You know, as Jay said, have a trial overnight stay to see how your dog adjusts and also how you do. Because you might feel quite stressed if you've never really been away from your dog. Having a detailed emergency contact list included in your travel itinerary, included in all of your documents for traveling, all of that stuff, so that if the caretaker does lose any contacts, you're not thinking to yourself, oh man, I left that on my laptop at home. You've got all of that there. You can give it immediately. You can get in touch. If your dog ends up having to go to your emergency contact or a vet, you know which one they're at. You've got that contact information. And as Jay mentioned earlier as well, ensure your dog IDs are very, very clear. You've got proper dog tags on there. Their microchip information is up to date and very, very highly recommended is having a tracker. 
making sure that not only do you have access to that tracker, but so does your caretaker, and making sure that that tracker is appropriately charged, because the last thing you want is that thing to run out if anything happens. Anything else to add in there, Jay, about your own preparations? Uh, let me see. Uh, medication. Uh, I, I did pass to... Okay, so from, from my experience with Blue and Ori, um, Blue was the one that had some skin rash before, like maybe she just got itchy a bit. She she did get um hives once before as well, so I do have all of those meds on standby. I did pass to my friend these few things. One was um the left um what was left of her uh anti anxiety meds. Um, two was the diarrhea medication that I would have passed to you as well, but I I know that you have them as well. Three was um I think it's called neoderm. It's kind of like just uh, oh, topical, topical cream for for if if uh, rashes develop and things like that. And I do have the the it's not apoquel, but it's it's kind of like steroids for antihistamines. That, that's what it is, yeah. For for blue, if she were to because she would be in a new environment, and my friend's place has a garden. So she would be in the garden quite a lot. I, I know she doesn't lie down on the grass, but she likes to play in the garden and then lie down on the, the path, on the pathway or something like that afterwards. So that might cause a lot of, um, it's an environmental change. You, you never know how your dog's going to react until like they, they've been there for, for a couple of days. So th those were just things that I was uh, prepared for. And uh, she, she was fine. She she did get a little bit, a little bit more itchy, but nothing to too serious that I had to worry about. Yeah, so to, to wrap this up a little bit. Oh, wait, one more thing. No, go on. Um, my friend did shower blue as well. <laughs> yeah, so um, I did tell her that you don't need to because I'll only be gone for two weeks and I did just shower her right before. I did shower both blue and Ori right, right before I left. Uh, but she said that she, it's fine. I, I did send her the video that, that I did quite a while back about um, how to have how to have a stress-free room for your dog. She saw that video, she decided to give it a try and everything went quite smoothly. The good thing is uh, Blue is really short-haired, so you don't really have to brush her that much. Uh, I Maybe like twice a week, at, it's, it's more than enough, I would say. Anything more than that, it's just uh, icing on the cake. But overall, uh, Blue was, Blue is a low maintenance dog in terms of grooming. Yeah. Also, oh yeah, the 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 medication because some of them, uh, like the cream you just apply on on whatever rashes that you see or whatever scars you see, the anti anxiety um no sorry the diarrhea medication you can crush up the pill and add to the food, but the anti anxiety medication is the one that you have to pump it like the syringe right into the back of her mouth, by by the gums by the side of the gums so. I, I told my friend this like very honestly, like if you if you're not confident in doing that, just don't do it. Because uh if if you take a syringe and you have a shaky hand because you're scared and then you bring it towards blue, she's gonna snap, she's gonna she's gonna growl, she's gonna not feel comfortable. So I don't wanna put her in that situation as well. So I said that you if you were to come across having issues doing this, that's why I, I didn't ask anyone to brush their teeth as well. This, 
I, it's something that I'm very comfortable doing, but I don't expect um, the person looking after my, my girls to, to do the same thing as well. I mean, I didn't brush Ori's teeth because I don't brush my mother's teeth. But uh, <laughs> what Ori did get while she was here is the exact same thing that I give my boys. And that was like uh, kangaroo ribs and she was getting the cow, like the, the beef, what do they call it? The beef uh, tendons and things like that. Yeah. Stuff that really, really helps their teeth because it's, you know, good scrubbing that they get. So, yeah, I mean, that should teach their own. I know that a lot of people are like, no, no, you've got to brush your dog's teeth. But my boys have all got great teeth. Um, and I'm sure Ori appreciated that instead of getting your finger shoved in your our mouth. <laughs> for sure, for sure. <laughs> Although she took a very long time and like comparatively to the boys to get through it. <laughs> of course. <laughs> so that's, I think that everything that you've gone through there is really important. And it's something that people should think about when they're traveling overseas and they're having to leave their dogs behind. It's a, it's a topic that doesn't get addressed very often. So it's a really good topic. And um, just to wrap that up, there's one more thing that we do need to talk about is while you are away, you've got to establish a clear line of communication with the caretaker. You've got to ask your caretaker to have regular updates with photos and videos to reassure you of your dog's well-being, because if not, you are likely to get a bit stressed. And yep. for your caretaker to give you updates on any sort of irregularities, <clears throat> excuse me, with your dog's eating, toileting, and overall behavior. So all of that just makes it a little bit easier. So, Jay, do you have anything to add about that before we... Do a quick overview and call it. Mm, yeah, I think you pretty much covered it. Like, if you look at my WhatsApp history, my friend, for the past two weeks, it's all like, is she eating fine? Uh, is it raining over there? Um, let's see what else was the next one. How's her poop? <laughs> Just things like that. Did she lie down on the grass too much? Uh, yeah, it's just like that. That's very different from what you sent me. Yeah, it's different. It's very different. <laughs> My messages consisted of you saying things like, has she managed to beat Parthos yet? <laughs> yeah. Is she keeping up with them in the walks? She normally walks quite slow. And I'm like, she's faster than Aramis, that's for damn sure. <laughs> uh, she actually, she was great on the walks as well, and she ended up just sticking to Athos a lot of the time, which was nice. Which I just loved. Okay, so just as an overview for what we've discussed through this episode, so that if you're watching the end of this video or you've not really caught everything, just want to give a quick rundown. We have spoken about Jay's journey going overseas to the US. So we're looking at emotional preparation, how to acclimatize your dog to the absence of you leaving them alone. Jay was talking about separation anxiety for a, a good length there, which is really useful because there are a lot of dogs that suffer from it. I do feel that separation anxiety deserves its 
full own episode, if not multiple episodes, because it's a huge topic and it's something that a lot of people struggle with. Um, Jay spoke about how to comfort your dog while you're away, things like clothing, your scent, and uh, and how to prepare them through training and their diet and things like that and actually getting them ready to go. Then we spoke about choosing the temporary home, making sure that you're looking for the red flags, you're asking the right questions, you know that you're getting experienced caregivers or a family that are good at handling the situations that you require for your dog. So for example, with Blue, Jay had to look for somebody who knew about separation anxiety. You've got to make sure that you've asked all of those questions that we went through earlier. You've got to make sure that you're choosing the correct one. Take your dog to see them, observe how they interact with your dog during that meet. Make sure that they have a secure place with no hazards where your dog's going to be staying and ensure that you've given them all the information that they need. Making sure that you've prepared your dog's diet and done everything along those lines that's required. Any of your dog's health issues, any specific needs, any quirks or anything that your dog does, which is important for your caretaker to know. Giving them a full breathing effectively. Then you've got to prepare yourself, making sure that you've got everything you need, just in case you need to give any information while you're away and ensuring that you've got a good line of communication and you're being updated consistently. Now, I made that seem very short there, but as you can tell, it's not the shortest topic. It's, it's an important thing to think about when you're going overseas. And I think that it was very good of Jay to share that that journey with us. So without further ado, if anybody has any questions on this topic or anything else, please put them in the comments. If you don't manage to get them in live, don't worry about it. Stick them in the comments anyway, and we will address them next week. Or for certain questions, we may even create a full video for that in our uh, on our website. So, Jay, anything else to add before we say goodnight? Uh, that's it. That's about it. Oh, yeah. Um, don't go to Hollywood. They <laughs> 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 make it seem so nice in, in the movies, but it's really not good. It's really a shit place. <laughs> I apologize to any of our listeners from Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So... <clears throat> Hope you enjoyed that episode, everyone. If you need any help with any of your dog's behavior or getting prepared for travel, whether it be taking your dog overseas, moving overseas, leaving your dog behind, basic obedience, any kind of behavioral issues, please do not hesitate to reach out to us. We'll be more than happy to help, both online or in person within Singapore. And if anybody is in particularly Scotland or the Yorkshire area. I will be in the area over the end of February, the first couple of weeks of March. If you're looking for any help and you feel that you would want in-person consultation done over just going online, please don't hesitate to reach out and see if we can't sort something out there. And to finish that off, Please remember that these podcasts are now being recorded live 
on Facebook Live. This is going to happen every Wednesday at 8 p.m. Singapore time. So please join us. Please be interactive, ask questions, make comments, and enjoy this. <laughs>